Reading from the Gospel of our Lord according to Matthew, the 10th chapter, beginning with with verse 40. Jesus says, Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Paul says, no longer present your members, parts of your body, your soul, your mind, your spirit, to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Paul's letter to the Romans chapters 5 through 14 are guiding our summer sermons uh, this year. And uh, just uh, 30 seconds of review for you. Jesus founded the church. It is the church of Jesus Christ. Paul is really our primary first organizer of the church trying to highlight this summer some parallels between Rome and Rochester. Both are large, diverse cultural centers, and we here in Rochester and this area share some significant Roman social issues, like sense of cultural superiority on the part of the dominant culture, the great divide between rich and poor, and a vaunted justice system that's unequally applied. So there's your review. Don't think it was too much longer than 30 seconds. And today we're moving ahead, and I want to take a look at sin. Now, my fourth sermon into my time here, and you're wondering, the guy's talking about sin. Um, Is this a good sign or not? We'll find out after a while. But we're going to talk about sin today. In a little bit of a different way, I imagine. The concept of sin in Paul's letter to the Romans is more nuanced than our conventional wisdom would like it to be. We kind of imagine that sin is sin. That is, it's wrong and bad and evil and destructive in all of those things. A lot of times that would be our usual response to a word association game where I said sin and you responded back to me. Sin equals, in conventional wisdom, bad thoughts and bad behavior. And I assure you that much of it is. That is not an inaccurate description of sin, but it is certainly not a complete description of sin by any stretch of the imagination. 
nor the one that Paul is trying to outline here in the letter to the Romans. Paul uses a Greek word, and the Greek word is hamartia. And I think every preacher who studied Greek has said something about that concept of sin along the way. And I've preached a few sermons on it. Hamartia, in the Greek sense, is not bad thoughts or bad behavior necessarily, but it is better defined as missing the mark. You were shooting at that, but you hit that. You could say that it's being on the wrong path. The distinction between our conventional wisdom idea of sin and this idea of sin is that sin, or those things that we call sinful activities or thoughts or behaviors, could be perfectly fine in many situations perfectly usual, as the case may be. Like, let's say, working long and hard hours, especially in a time when lots of people don't have work at all. So to give yourself over to your work, as I love to do with mine, is not necessarily a bad thing. Now, our behavior or our actions or our thoughts can become sinful when they are done for, at the wrong time and for the wrong purpose and not from pure motivations. So that working hard and working long hours becomes sin when family life suffers because of that. So you see, working hard and long is not necessarily bad but it can become simple when it causes the person who's working those long hours to go down the wrong path and miss the family care mark. Hamartia, missing the mark. The Book of Common Prayer reminds us in its probably most familiar prayer of confession that there are two types of sin in it. The sins of commission and the sins of omission. We ask forgiveness for the things that we have done and for the things that we have left undone. Commission and omission. It's, it's too simple a description of sin, but it's, it's pretty useful and it kind of serves my purpose for this morning because I want to discuss what I'm calling a third type of sin. I realize that any preacher or any group of preachers can come up with 10 or 12 or 50 or maybe 100 kinds of sins out there. So to say that this is only the third type is a little presumptuous on my part, but I'm going to do it anyway. And this third type of sin is what I'm calling choosing to live a rutted life. Choosing to live a rutted life. And it involves both sins of commission, what we've done, and omission, the things that we have left undone. So what do I mean by choosing to live a rutted life? It's doing the things we do because, as we like to say in the church, we have always done them that way. And when we get so deeply into our ruts, our ruts become unquestioned on 
our part. And then we begin to imagine that they're not only good for us, but they're good for all people. I have my moments in my life because not just, just like other sins, uh, living in the rut is not always a bad thing. It can organize and direct us in our lives. I have my ruts that I really, really love. And I imagine that if everybody would just live the way I do, the world would be a better place. Except it doesn't work that way, does it? My ruts become unquestioned for me, and I assume that they are good for all, when in fact, they are not. And then what happens as we live in our ruts is we develop what that, that passion that Paul talks about, the passion around our ways and our ideas and really want to convince other people that even if they're missing the mark, they're really not that bad. They're good. And the more deeply we get entrenched in our ruts, something else happens to us. We become less reflective, less self-aware of our own strengths and weaknesses. And we recognize that our purposes are not always the best and good purposes for all people. We lose that capability because we're stuck in our ruts. Thus, it can be that the way we've always done something becomes sinful because we miss the mark. We go down the wrong path. Not because, as I said before, that activity is bad in and of and by itself. It can even be good, but rather because it blinds us and doesn't allow us or makes us unwilling to see our flaws and unable to envision a new and different and perhaps better way. I would like to suggest that we Presbyterians are particular, particularly susceptible to living life in the rut. We love our Presbyterian ruts. And largely that's because they've been successful historically. We've been good at what we do. They worked for us. And then we take the next step to say, and they'll work for you too, as long as you do them our way. So we get stuck in our way of doing things, and we have a hard time getting out of them. And one of the things that we Presbyterians are particularly good at is that we're happy, most often, to take the lead in vital and important issues in the church, in our community, in our world. We're happy to take the lead. One of the challenges I see right now at this time and at this place and the situation, the social situation we live in is that our ruttedness is not always helpful to us. In fact, in some ways, it becomes problematic because we have some great opportunities as third church, as the Presbyterian church, great opportunities to have a new awareness of what's going on in our world and to act differently 
at this time. And we're missing the mark if we stay in our old ruts. And what does missing the mark mean, Paul says? Well, it's, it's sin. It's sin to keep doing what we always did because we've always done it even if the times demand a different response. So what is to become of us? What is to become of us? We are Presbyterians and we like what we do. Well, we confess every week and that's a good thing. And perhaps we need to confess that our rutted life, as good and wonderful and as marvelous as it has been for us and continues to be for us, sometimes causes us to miss the mark. And that means it's sinful. It's not to neglect or rue this church's proud past and the Presbyterian Church USA and all of the wonderful, marvelous things we've done leading through our societal challenges? Not at all. But it does mean that we need to recognize the hard work that it takes to be de-rutted, to get out, the clear danger of getting stuck in the way we've always done things, and the attraction and even the security of remaining there, even, even when our activities aren't as effective as they could be and our church life can be threatened. So what is to become of us? Well, the times are offering us an opportunity because we're forced to do things differently, to engage in a loving but honest review of who we are and what we're doing as a church. So on the one hand, that, that's simply a part of what I do as an interim pastor in a church. I prod you along the way, encouraging you, usually from behind, to take that loving but honest review of your church life. And you'll hear more about that, well, probably tomorrow as you get the next newsletter and what that all means. So we will look at who we are and where we are, and we will examine the discussions and the decisions and the challenges that we face based on our history and our current circumstances. And of the many elements that we have to deal with honestly and realistically is, is the subject of racism, as our denomination has done this past week, offering us great thoughts and material and opportunities to continue the thinking on that subject. We have a developing core group of passionate uh, participants at work in the life of this church who are already imagining and envisioning a plan for the long haul, how we can deal with a subject that we really would rather not deal with. And the goal of that group of people is a sustainable plan, not just a flash in the pan, but a sustainable plan to be servants, not even necessarily leaders, but servants in this community. Encouraging ourselves, first of all, to examine who we are and then be supportive of efforts in our community, really to deal with that challenge that's been a part of our life for centuries. To listen and to follow, to do something that Presbyterians are terrible at, shutting our mouths, 
and opening our ears, following rather than being so quick to lead, serving, supporting, giving the glass of cold water in whatever form or shape that takes. And we're inviting all of you, the members of this congregation, to take a very small but, but important first step. We've been talking about uh, the movie Just Mercy for several weeks, and we've uh, publicized it in our uh, online material. And tomorrow evening, tomorrow evening, we are going to have a uh, discussion on Google Meet about this book. Is it going to solve all of our problems? No, not at all. But it will show us some of the places and ways where we're stuck in our ruts and we need to do things differently going forward so that we, we can not continue to miss the mark on this very important subject. It's not the only de-writing that we need to do. And it's not just a church matter. It's our family matters. It's my personal problems that I have being stuck in the way that I always do things. We always have to be asking the questions of what else, what new uh, thing is God calling us to be? We want to be sure that we make a contribution to this current moment. We don't want to miss this opportunity. But it also serves as a test case for the next six months, the next six years of our life together. And I really invite you all again to be a part of this effort. The subject of racism, which is current and right in front of us now, but, but taking a good look at all of the ways that we are stuck. Some of our ruts are pretty deep, and the deeper they get, the more comfortable we feel and the harder it is to get out of them. And it will take an effort by all of us to overcome the desire just to kind of rest and stay where we are. But I want to challenge you to undertake this work because our goal is to be more Christ-like in our living and allow that view and that desire to motivate us along life's way and to find the ways where we can do the new things that God is calling us to do. Thanks be to God for these encouraging words from the Apostle Paul and from our desire to apply them to our lives together. Amen.